peoples, I'm Isabella. And this is Belly, and welcome back to Isavision. We're so excited to have you guys. So, Belly, what's up? You know, life. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? What do you School. mean? Didn't, didn't you go skydiving on Saturday? Oh, yeah, I did. Tell oh, us yeah, about I it. keep forgetting about that. Um, I wasn't nervous at all, surprisingly. I only got nauseous, like, when I was getting closer to landing. Yeah. And I think it's just because of, like, the air pressure. I don't know what it was, but, like, it was so great. 100% Who did you go with? I went with my friend. Well, my friend and then her friends. Okay. Um. Obviously, there weren't a lot of people there. I feel like it's skydiving, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I would, I would never. Re- I would recommend no, I, I can't. I like the ground. Like, the chances of you dying is very, very, very slim. No, I know. Like, being in a car accident is way more likely, but, like, I need to go. I need to use my car. I need to drive. I don't need to be up in the air jumping from an airplane. I mean, I guess, but. I know, to each their it's own. It's experience. It's to say that you did it. <laughs> it's not on, it's not on it's my not, bucket list. <laughs> well, now I want to skydive. Well, okay, I've already jumped off of a mountain what? in Brazil. Like bungee I went, jumped? I no no no. I went paragliding. So okay. it was like chill, but I guess like the running down the mountain was like completely different. Mm-hmm. It was like but like I, I don't know, I feel like I don't have fear of that of those things. Like I don't have fear of height or anything. Must be nice. So yeah, now I wanna go to a different country and skydive there because mm-hmm. the scenery is gonna be totally different, but yeah, I saw Boston from New Hampshire, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. Not many people can say that. But other than that, pretty boring. <laughs> My week's been pretty other boring. Than skydiving, pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um, I went apple picking, but I feel like that's something that everybody does. Yeah, I'm going on Saturday. Yeah, I spent 90% of the time just taking pictures with, pictures with my mom. And then, like, people would come near us and we would, like, run and put our masks on because <laughs> COVID. But right. it was so fun. And, like, we bought like we bought the bag that, so you can apple pick. Mm-hmm. We filled it up to the brim. You have but to then, buy the bag. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, it was $20. Oh, okay. We could have gone in four people, but... <laughs> can you bring your own bag? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we filled up the bag. We got so many apples, but we don't even really eat apples like that. So I gave half of it to like other people. So we just went. We paid twenty dollars just to take that's, pictures. No, that's what happened when I went um, strawberry picking. Like they literally were just chilling in my my fridge because we had like a whole like a, a whole bin. Yeah. Too because my neighbor went and she gave it to us. Mm-hmm. So those poor guys, we shouldn't eat it. Should have eaten them, but it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Um, but before we get into the episode, I just want to say thank you so much for all the support, the kind messages. I mean, when Belly and I started this endeavor, we, I mean, I thought it would just be a couple people that would actually listen, but we have more than 100 plays so far, and that's just crazy to think that people actually care. Yeah, it's like so many people who I didn't expect to promote it and to, like, reach out and say, like, such kind words, like, I, I would have never thought, yeah. you know? So, thank you guys. We're so excited and we have so much more to come. Yes, it's not just a mental health <laughs> right. podcast. Right. Um and we'll definitely like I think you know, towards the end of the season we'll give like a little like a little um preview. spoiler yes. p- preview for the next um 
for the next season. So stay, stay tuned. tuned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, this episode is going to be about the history of mental health. And before y'all stop the play and <laughs> stop listening, it's not going to be like, we're going to try to make it like not boring at all. Um, yes. There'll be commentary. And we're going to be super short and simple. So bear with us. I swear it's interesting. And like we're going to get into it. Yes. Also <laughs> disclaimer. This is just a topic that Belly and I are, are passionate about. But we are not historians. Right. We're Don't not anthropologists. We're just two girls that spent time researching on credible websites. So right. we can provide um, important information um, to you guys. And we'll definitely on our Instagram go follow. Um, <laughs> we're it's gonna, a vision underscore. Yep, that's the handle. Um, we'll put the links there so yes. you guys can also check it out. And Fact check us. Right, I was about to say, like, if you know something that we did not talk about today, please fact check us or if we said something incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Especially if Belly mispronounces anything. <laughs> Yeah, don't come at me. Um. <laughs> oh, and also another thing. we This is going to be a very general mental health episode. Right. This is part one. And part two will be um, focused on Black mental health history along with different, um, like, minority groups' history. Right. And we're not, we're not doing that because we think that it's, like, our whole history. Like, we did that because we tried to integrate them. And yes. they're just so different from each other and so, like... There was a lot of information. It's not that black history, black mental health history isn't American mental health history. It was just a lot. It was, like, going to be a two-hour episode, like, yeah, if and it was honest. Just, right, and it's just, it was going to be too confusing. I got confused reading off my notes because I was like, okay, like, the transition is so drastic, and they're so, like, they're, like, polar opposites, so it's, like, yeah, so we decided to split it up so it can make more sense to you guys and make more sense to us to talk yes. about. Because, and to edit. Right, so, um... All right, let's now get started. Let's get into it. <laughs> so, um, in Victorian times, um, a woman would be considered unbalanced due to a variety of causes, and I'm sure y'all can guess <laughs> what it included. Nothing that makes sense. So let's let's get started. So they're going to be considered unbalanced because of menstruation-related anger, so PMS. Yeah, easy. Um, pregnancy-related sadness. So postpartum depression. Mm-hmm, and then... Or the blues. People call them baby blues, too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Now you know. Now I know. Um, disobedience, so... To, you disobey your husband? Your, I'm assuming your husband, anyone superior, so, like, men... <laughs> At the time. <laughs> I mean, it's totally also not new. <laughs> not new. Like, it's literally the same thing, but... And then chronic fatigue syndrome, which is weird. That one... That sounds like depression, like, if you're just in bed because you don't want to leave your room or something. Yeah, and and then anxiety. Um, so, these women would be punished for natural causes. Natural causes, um, nothing they can control. I mean, mental illness isn't controlled either. However, um, this is like, this is just not a chemical imbalance. This is literally your body. Like, yeah, no, this is a chemical. No, but like, I mean, as in like, it doesn't, it's not. 
Un- like, abnormal. Right. Like, it's happening once a month. Like, it's... It doesn't make sense to be put in a mental right. institution because of it. Right. That's... Yes. Okay. We got there. Right. <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, so they would be placed in institutions due to this, these conditions, or quote-unquote conditions, and the doctors would often call, like, label it hysteria. And I'm sure, like, this is, like, kind of common knowledge. Um, I sort of knew this, but... No, I didn't know this. Oh, really? Yeah, not until this. Okay, cool. So, I guess not. But um, these women were cared for by doctors who typically ruled the facility in the same manner um, in which a Victorian father might rule a home. So, I'm assuming beating, hair pulling, verbal, just any kind of abuse. Yeah. Which is going to make everything worse. So imagine you're PMSing. You know, I'm PMSing today. Like, imagine if I just get beat because of that. (laughs) You're PMSing and your dad, husband, boyfriend, I don't know, whoever you're living with is like, yeah, so you're sick and you're sick in the head and we're going to take you to an institution where you're going to get beat. And you're like, oh, (laughs) like, okay. Um, And then, like I said before, um, they would consider disobedience as like being unbalanced um, so disobedience was often met with severe punishment. So I'm sure if you like pushed back and you're like, no, I, I like, this is not how it should be treated. They would punish you even more. Mm-hmm. So basically you had to be like a silent doll. Yep. Like a, a stuffed doll that did nothing. Um, and, um, the statistic is still up to date. Um, women are nearly twice as likely to suffer from major depression than men. And I'm not saying men can't suffer from depression, but consider our history. You know, this mm-hmm. started from the beginning. The trauma that <laughs> right, still and it, it carries on. Um. So now we're in the 1840s, and the institutions were very similar to jail, so no improvement. Um, they weren't given the right to leave, and they had really terrible. Um, rules that allowed people with illness to be treated in ways that were unspeakably cruel. So this isn't just women now. We're talking about women and men that both, if they had a mental illness, they would probably be beat Mm -hmm. on and stuff. Right. Um, So in the 1880s, um, facilities changed and specialists and, and doctors wouldn't ignore the mentally ill anymore. And this was, I'm assuming this change was um, highly influenced, or she was a contributor, mm-hmm. um, by a writer named Nellie Bly. Um, so she agreed to pose as a mentally ill patient and documented everything that happened to her in a series of articles. Um, so I have a few things that she had mentioned um, in her articles, but I'm sure nothing detailed I'm sure there's way more specific things Mm -hmm. that she um, mentioned. So, okay. For example, every door was locked separately and the windows were heavily barred. Um, So escaping was impossible. And, like, I get it. You don't want the people inside to escape. That happens happens today. Like, um, But they're also there willingly, you know, for the most part. For the most part. For the most part. I'm sure it's, like, not everywhere, but... Typically, you you get the option if you, if you want to go or if you don't, you know. 
Or am I wrong about that? Because yeah, I, so, I know people who, like... No, you can you can sign your... You can voluntarily put yourself into an institution. This is present day. You can voluntarily put yourself into an institution. But I think that once you're in there, you can't leave. No, but I'm talking about, like, before. Like, before going. Do you before know what go- I mean? Yeah, before going, you do have a choice. That's, that's not I'm everybody, but there are still people that, like, their right. families will put them on a section 12, which is... Is that, is that if they're under 18 or no? Under 18 or, like, if they're just, like, let's say, so so it, mentally incapable that they can't make oh, their own okay. choice. But doesn't... Like, if they're going to hurt themselves, you put a section oh, 12 on Oh, right, them. right, right. That's true. Um, so there's still mm, some things that need fixing. <laughs> right. Well, let's go back there, to There was the still 1800s. more bad things. It wasn't just locked doors. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. So, one building alone, there would be around 300 women. And I'm assuming this building wasn't super big and spacious. It was probably mm. a wicked small building. Um, so, and, and they would be locked um, 1 to 10 in a room. And I'm sure they didn't put 10 beds in one room. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any proof, but like... I doubt it. But like learning, <laughs> what we've learned so far, the conditions were not very livable. Right. And, you know, there were harsh treatments that this writer, Nellie Bly, would obtain, including solitary confinement, hair pulling, etc. Um, so, you know, she definitely influenced um, the, the changes in facilities because I'm assuming um, people from the outside had no idea what was going on inside, and so this brave woman, you know, did that so there could be some sort of change so people could know. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to mention a few techniques that were used on mentally ill people, um, and then Bella will continue into that, because it did continue into the 1950s. So, um, a few techniques were insulin-induced comas, lobotomies, which, um, if you don't know what lobotomy means, it just means severing the connections in the brain's prefrontal cortex and if y'all don't know what a prefrontal cortex is that's the part of your brain um that's been implicated in planning um complex cognitive behavior personality expression decision making and moderating social behavior so basically it your prefrontal cortex is what makes you who you are yeah and it's mostly and then they also had malarial infections yeah. Um, and I've never <laughs> even heard of that. That's crazy. Like, yeah. they would just be, make people sick on purpose. Yeah, and it's, it was, I'm sure a lot of people died from this, because, I mean, uh, malaria. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? No, n- nothing more needed. Right. Um, and then electroshock therapy. And this continued well into the 1940s and 50s. Um, and I will say, um, it did help some people who had serious illnesses, but those treatments fell out. A favor for a reason because it, it could have helped people but mm-hmm. it was very unethical um you know it wasn't it wasn't morally correct so that's a big reason why it's that's probably the only reason why it's not used today and it's, it's just very painful I would yeah. think so like so electroshock therapy is a medical treatment most commonly used in patients with severe depression or bipolar disorder that has not responded to other treatments Electroconvulsive therapy, so electroshock therapy, involves a brief electrical stimulation of the brain while the patient is under anesthesia. Okay, so 
not painful technically, but right. But mm, I don't know. So if side they effects. Had, but maybe maybe they didn't have that. You know, anesthesia back then, like the right, good kind. Right, the one that actually doesn't <laughs> let you feel anything. Yeah. So you have to consider, like, I'm sure electroshock therapy is used today. In some in some cases, mm-hmm. probably very rarely, but you know. Yeah. So why don't you say the side effects? Side effects are loss of memory about the events immediately before and after um, electroconvulsive therapy, heart rhythm disturbances, low blood pressure, headaches, nausea, sore muscles, aching jaw confusion. And there's this other link from the BBC um, where it says that the UK still uses uh, electroshock therapy. So, like, this was in 2013, so around 4,000 patients still undergo electroconvulsive therapy. Interesting. Well, there you have it. It is it is still used, so, yeah. I'm not sure if I would ever want one, though. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so I'm handing it off to Bella. <laughs> yes, moving on to um, the 1950s. So, like Belly mentioned about lobotomies, they were used uh, from the 1930s till around the 1960s. They were never widely accepted for obvious reasons, and they were performed on black children as young as five if they exhibited aggressive or hyperactive behaviors. I mean, that's we're definitely going to probably touch on that more in our black, his, black mental health history episode. Mm-hmm. So, in the 1940s, people were still in institutions rather than getting care from home, which is, like, kind of problematic because, as we said before, mental institutions back in the day, 1940s, that's not even that long ago, yeah, weren't the best. But anyway, so after a bunch of failed attempts doing radical cures, and the radical cures are the insulin-induced comas, the lobotomies, the malarial infections, physicians found that it was better to turn to powders and pills to give their patients relief. Um, and this is, like, what's kind of done today a lot. People, instead of doing insulin-induced comas, for example, people are given medication Mm -hmm. to help balance their different mental diagnoses. And the pros of this were that people didn't have to be strapped down to beds. So one of the powders that they tried was lithium. And if you have taken a science class, um, you could notice that lithium is a literal element on the periodic table. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they were giving lithium pure to these people. I feel like anything pure isn't a good idea. Yeah, it does not sound <laughs> a good idea. But um, it worked for some cases of bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. So right. at least that they got, right? Um, yeah, and so it was <laughs> FDA approved. So they did um, start using it as a prescription medication. But the cons to use of chemical treatments is that they weren't well understood back in the 40s and 50s. So similarly to the radical cures, people were just experimenting, just trying to figure out what would work. So, like, obviously this all sounds terrible, but, like, that was the information that they had. Mm -hmm. Still, I don't think beating was a good idea. I think just Mm -hmm. evil people were doing that anyway. But, like, for, like, the radical cures, at least, they were experimenting and trying to figure it out. But that being said, since they were experimenting, the number of people getting hospitalized because of side effects um, due to the medication went from 7,000 in the 1850s to 120,000 in the 1930s to 150,000 in the 1950s. So it just, so they made it worse. Yeah, they, (laughs) uh, it wasn't even the the mental diagnoses that were putting people in the hospital, it was the side effects from the radical cures or the pills and medication or drugs. Yeah, that's, 
That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Anything pure is bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Also so, for skincare, uh, don't don't put pure baking powder on your face. Aloe. I've, been, <laughs> I, I've been seeing some crazy things. Baking powder? Oh, you know what I you know what I put on my nose and I burnt my I've been burning myself, y'all. <laughs> this is off topic, but I've been burning myself all quarantine because TikTok has been put this on your face, put that on your face. No, don't no. It's not happening. Don't. I put um I'm nervous to hear you say oh it. Oh my god, what did I put on my nose? They were like, it's gonna take away your blackheads. Turmeric. Turmeric? Turmeric. It's not seen, That makes you orange. <laughs> turmeric. I put turmeric on my nose. And they're like, yeah, put like with water. And then your blackheads are gone. And then what happened? I burnt my nose. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that was off topic. But don't do it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, in the beginning of the 1950s, people with mental illnesses were starting to transition out of institution and into mental health community centers. And this was known as deinstitutionalization. Yes, got it. Um, so that rubbing, sounds. I'm rubbing off on you. Yes, I know. I'm spending <laughs> too much time with Belly. Uh, that's that. The medical, the mental health centers sound better than institutions, and I do think that that was because of Nellie Nellie Bly's Nelly Bly. work. And I'm sure there were many more that. Yeah. But, but that, who would be here till tomorrow? Who right. got everybody that helped? Right, yeah. So the number of residents in institutions went from 560,000 in the 50s to 130,000 in the 80s. So it, it went drastically down. So I'm assuming a lot less people were getting hurt or getting um, inadequate treatment. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus. So I feel like the, the, the modernizing modernization of mental health treatment it's a little boring, not gonna lie, but, like, we can see that it's getting better, but there's still so much more to do. 100%. And the transitioning back into the communities was a great idea, but the reality of making it happen was much harder than people expected. Uh, the residents needed housing assistance, job training, psychiatric counseling, life skills training, and social support. So these people, they would get them from the institution and just place them back out into the world without any help. So, as, we, as I mentioned before... A lot needed to change. Right. That's just like... It reminds me of jails. When they... I was about to say, I was like, should I get political right now? No, no, no. It reminds but me of jails. Like, it people, does. I people mean... stay in jail, they get out, and they can't... They have a record forever. They can't get jobs. They have... The parole is and insane. And then they're, they're counted as, like... They can't vote. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. <sighs> they can't vote. And then also, like, they're just put in the... Like in poor communities, mm-hmm. and then with no way, and to right, like and then they are they already t- like already have a title, like they're it's like where's basically in society those people are dead, which mm-hmm. is insane because you know if we did if we, if jails were rehabilitation centers we could have more productive people in society, but no, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah, um, we're gonna have a political segment, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you want a, a politics season. Right. We'll probably will, though. We probably will, even if you guys don't want it. Choose to listen if you want or not. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this type of transition from psychiatric institutions to community health centers happened until the 2000s, so 20 years ago. That's the year I was born. Really? Oh, you're such a baby. I'm 2000s, oh but my honestly, God. my culture. My Gen-, Gen Z, we're the ones. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Anyway, Child, anyways. so a lot of people 
Because of the transition, a lot of people fell through the cracks because they couldn't get jobs or homes and they ended up being homeless on the streets or entered the criminal justice system. Mm. So, and like you yeah. wonder, you wonder why these people are selling drugs or doing illegal things because that's fast money. Like they're trying to get a job, yeah, and they can't. They or if they do, it's a really bad job mm-hmm. that can't it can't sustain them. Um, and so like if you think about it, like logically, obviously these people are going to resort to the easy way out, which mm-hmm. is. Because there's no other way out. Well, like, what, like, how are they going to improve? How are they going to be able to, you know, be a part of society if, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways. So, even though I said a bunch of cons, overall, it was better for people to get placed into community-based health, community-based mental health centers for treatment because, um at least they were getting some sort of treatment in a better institution rather than going to facilities that um, completely isolated them from, you know, society. Mm. So currently community agencies work hard to serve those with mental health illness so they don't have to enter a facility for life. Social workers, mental health counselors, and clinicians all work together currently to provide care and give people a ton of options for treatment. So I, Which so, is great. So in the early 2000s, we had all this, all these issues of people not getting support. But now, a lot of people are getting trained so we can support um, the most vulnerable people in our population. Mm-hmm. Currently, laws allow for concerned family members and community members to place people into therapeutic facilities until they get better. And some state laws force people with mental health illness to take medication. So that's what me and Belly were talking about earlier when we were discussing, like, Section 12 versus can... People go voluntarily. Can they not? Um, there are laws now that, like, give people, give family members the right to do these certain things. But I don't know. Obviously, like, if something were happening to one of my family members, I want to give them the best treatment. But then there's like the whole issue of like per- a person's free will and freedom. I don't know. It's kind of complicated. Right. I feel like. I don't know that that's like always the tricky part because it's like I like I feel like there it comes to a point where it's like okay this is going to be good for you like we just know it and it's like but then again that person can be like no like I it's it's my right to do mm-hmm. like whatever I want so. yeah this is like we said clearly everything isn't perfect but slowly but surely we are working towards um better health outcomes for those with mental illness and, like, if you compare it to what Belly talked about, like, in the past, I would say it's better yeah. now than before. Yeah, for sure. At least I mean, now it's understood that it's a mental illness and not just... Right, and we're we're talking, like, we're not saying this is every country. Like, Oh, yeah, know, this is American like, mental right. history. So, yeah, like, there are other countries that 100% need improvements, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But each just, culture is just their own to, culture, right, too. Just to clarify, this is just, we're talking about how it's gotten better in the U.S., so. Yes. We definitely, obviously, y'all probably know, we definitely need improvements, but so far, sort of good. Sort of good. <laughs> I mean, like, as a white, Latinx, young adult, I'm able to get my medication without stigma. Right. My insurance covers it, so... I would say that that's an improvement. Yeah. Other, rather than 
getting put in a mental institution for having depression. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, but just a couple little facts for y'all. Some modern therapies include psychotherapy, medication, which is stuff we already talked about, mm-hmm. hospitalization, support groups, alternative medicine, and electroconvulsive therapy, which is the electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. So... Psychotherapy is basically just going to a therapist and talking about your feelings, and it's a very unbi- someone who's unbiased professional to give you. Right. Is it advice? Not it's not advice, but just help you manage your different problems. Yeah, you like it, They help you like sort your feelings out. Yes, basically. Um, an alternative medicine includes a mix of different things such as herbs, exercise, acupuncture. Some people will do, let's say, acupuncture along with medication. They're not like exclusive. Mm-hmm. You can mix them. Acupuncture is great. You, I don't like it. I, I did I, it at UMass. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I went right before my orgo exam. Let me tell y'all, it was helpful. <laughs> I came in, like, not stressed, so. Yeah. No. And I got a good grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. they, they did it on my ear, and I was like, this feels, like, so weird. I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if you're supposed to feel something immediately, mm-hmm. but maybe it's something, like, like it's not. Maybe it's a placebo. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, like I mentioned before, electroconvulsive therapy is a procedure which um, is a brief application of electric electric stimulus, um, which is used to produce a generalized seizure. And currently, 100,000 people yearly receive um, electroconvulsive therapy for depression. It's which usually, is, okay, well, pause. Like, yeah, go ahead. I don't know why that is weird to me. <laughs> that kind of bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> because, I don't know, like... You have to just think of the condition. Like, at the end, I'm sure it helps them, but... Some people. Right, some people, yeah. It's not, it's never, like, a all yes, all no, but... I don't know. Like, that's just... Something about electric shock therapy is just not... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not I'm not vibing with it. Only because, like, imagine, like, you have depression and they're literally shocking you and they're like, no, this is gonna help you. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but I feel like... like it's voluntary. Like, you wouldn't do it. Like, your doctor right, wouldn't right. force it on you. That's true. Yeah, you I guess. I mean? Yeah. But, like... Maybe it's, like, it's a last resort. Yeah. I, maybe it's, like, a last resort type thing. Mm-hmm. You know? But... Yeah. I mean, you're not... Like, it's it's a process as well. So, like, with, with therapy and mm-hmm. medication. And, obviously, it's different for everyone. But, I don't know. Like, that just... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'll keep my effect- thoughts to myself. Its, it's effectiveness <laughs> is still debated, so I guess we'll see in twenty years if it's still being used or not. But it's right. an old—it's an old right. practice. We were talking about it like in the eighteen forties. Was that it? No, 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 no. Nineteen forties. Nineteen, like probably the beginning of nineteen hundreds. Yeah, ish, ish. Okay, ish. <laughs> Too so. many notes to look back on. <laughs> um, but that's all for now, guys. I hope. Um, you all enjoyed our brief history lesson. Um, forgive any mistakes. And <laughs> I'm illiterate and <laughs> I'm <no>. tired. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, if you guys have any comments, any, like, criticism, like, we're here for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're just starting this and we're totally open to yes. yeah like we want to know what you guys have to say yes follow also, our instagram yes i-s-a-v-i-s-i-o-n underscore yeah you know, on instagram follow yes. us like our stuff review us on apple podcast um i'm not sure spot- 
Spotify? Maybe. I don't know. I bet you could review. But I know on Apple Podcasts you can review. Please give us five stars if you wish and write a cute little comment. It really helps us to one day, you know, make some money off of this endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a maybe goal, but we re- we truly do like do. I have debt this? to pay, so I would love to make money off of this. Yeah, I pretend I don't have debt, so. Yeah, anyways, but that is all for today. Um, stay tuned for our part two, which yes. is... Black mental health history. Yes. And modern stuff, which is about, you know, social determinants of health, basically my major. I think it'll be a really good She'll episode. She'll pop off. I just learned about amino acids, so <laughs> I'll let her take take the role for that one. But, yeah. Um, thanks for tuning in. Hi, guys. And I hope you guys have an amazing day, amazing night, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> amazing year. Amazing year. All right. <laughs> you need it. Bye, guys. Bye. See, See ya. ya. Thank you.